Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Blackhawks on Tap. It is February 16th. I had to check that day because I'm all over the damn place and don't know what day of the week it is. But it's a beautiful Sunday night. Uh, I am your host for the evening, Ron Luce, and I am joined by now two-time appearer on Blackhawks on Tap, Mr. Patrick Bodway. Pat, how are you? Hello, sir. Oh, I could have been better after that game, but I'm doing all right. I feel that. I feel that. Yeah, we're here, obviously, to talk about the Winnipeg Blackhawks game. Uh, the Blackhawks do lose in regulation uh, by a final score of 3-2, to two. Um, you know, and, and we'll just dive right into this thing. I mean, early on in the first period, a lot of good things from this team. That That first line continuing to have, you know, great shift after great shift. Dominic Kubelik and, and Jonathan Taves have really found something there together. Uh, scoring for the first period took all the way until the almost the 16-minute mark of the first, but a, uh, a nice little give-and-go with Patrick Kane and Ryan Carpenter. Ultimately, Kane gets into the zone, dishes the puck over to Carpenter, and Carpenter, out of midair, redirects the puck behind Connor Hellebuck to give the Hawks the 1-0 lead, and they take that into the intermission. So, Pat, what you know? What were some of your takeaways, the scoring plays? You know, wh- How did you feel about that first period tonight? The first period looked like they left off uh, where they ended in Calgary last night. You know, they came out hot. They were firing on all cylinders. It looked like it was going to be another one from last night. And, uh, and that goal by Carpenter was sweet. You know, to see him get that, the excitement on his face after he scored it, it was just a beautiful play. I thought the whole first period was great. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what, what's interesting, too, about the first period is, you know, the eye test shows that the Blackhawks looked really good. The underlying mm-hmm. numbers actually are very for the Jets after that first period. Um, really the best period for Chicago from a, you know, a Corsi standpoint, you know, chances for standpoint was really that third period, which I thought was kind of interesting. But mm-hmm. um, nonetheless, though, I agree with you. A lot of a lot of good things. They they were coming out firing. Uh, always nice to see that type of response right after playing the night before. As you mentioned, huge win uh, yesterday evening in Calgary, uh, which Tony and Johnny uh, covered on the Blackhawks on Tap episode. Go listen to that if you haven't already. And, um, you know, and like you said, they took that lead into the second period, but naturally it wouldn't last long. It feels like that's been the um, kind of recurring theme of this road trip over these five games. Mason Appleton scored his fourth goal of the season, a redirect. You'll get used to that, ladies and gentlemen. That's kind of the theme <laughs> of this episode. But he gets his fourth of the year, uh, and that's at the 638 mark of the second period. The game was tied for a little while, chances back and forth, but ultimately the Winnipeg Jets would get the next goal as Jack Roslovic, he gets his 12th of the year on another redirect. Uh, at the 15-37 mark, gives the Jets the 2-1 lead. Blackhawks fans, I'm sure, you know, Pat, I'm sure you were feeling this way. I know I was feeling this way. I'm like, well, they're going to go down in the period. They're going to come out. They're going to somehow look decent in the third. They're going to find a way to tie it, and then either Winnipeg's going to score before this thing's all over, or it's going to go to overtime. Well, they gave me a little bit of hope because with under a minute remaining, you know, Colleton goes ahead and loads up on his top line, puts Taves, Kubalik, and Kane out there together. A really nice give-and-go play with Kubalik and Taves. Ultimately ends up Taves dishing the puck on a really sweet touch p- pass to Kane, and uh, Kaner buries it on the empty net. 
uh, for his 27th of the season, and that ties it as this thing goes into the second intermission. You know, just the second period felt so different, right? I mean, they weren't as good. They weren't as consistent, yet they still found a way to be in this thing, Pat. You know, what what do you think, you know, about that? Because it's almost frustrating that it's like you guys can be there if you play a little better, and somehow they're still finding a way to kind of hang around. One of the things that really drove me nuts about the second period was I I can't stand – when you allow a goal on those shifts when you just can't clear the puck out of your end? Because let me ask you this question. What's worse, allowing your opponent to score or an icing penalty? Every single time, it's going to be taking an icing penalty. Mm-hmm. And that that second goal, or no, I'm sorry, the first goal, uh, you just can't clear the puck. And what, eventually, one of those chances is going to go in and that's exactly what happened and it seems like that goal took the air out of them and uh the fact that they were able to tie it up you know that close to the end of that second period was really really kind of surprising to me because i i I was about to say all right they're going to go into the third period down Mm -hmm. and uh hopefully they can do something but surprised me there and it's one of those things where it, it it takes the air out of them a little bit and you just wonder how they bounce back from that. Yeah, absolutely, and that and that's a really good way to put it too. Is you know drained, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and and you know that could end up being the the name of this episode. We're unsure yet. It's going to be either that or redirect because I think redirect is incredibly you know valid for this episode. But yeah, I mean, you, you nailed it on the head. They just you know they looked tired. They you know they were somehow finding a way to stay in this thing, even though they were not clearly playing their best hockey in that middle frame. And you know they load up with the top line, and your big guns come through, right? Taves and yeah. Kane, your two leading scorers for the season, been your best players consistently the whole year, um, outside of maybe you know Robin Lehner, for example, uh, and really your goaltending. Um, you know those have been your two best guys all season, as they should be. That there's a reason they make ten and a half million dollars a piece um but they come through and and they at least make this thing interesting going into the third uh but you know really really fast out of the gate it did not make it, it did you know there was probably fans still walking back from the restroom but nathan uh yeah. Beaulieu scores his first of the year actually um and this was a guy mind you that he was signed really late in the season just from all the you know injury and depth issues that the the Jets had on defense. He's been really nice for them all year, and he's he's been a cheap acquisition. But his shot goes off of Alex Dabrinkit. I don't think Corey Crawford was ready for it. Um, you know, And I, I know that's something you tweeted too, and I want to hear from you about that here in a second, about you know Corey on a lot of these goals tonight. Yeah. Again, redirects are hard for a goaltender, especially when it's off your own player, and that's when you don't expect it. Um, mm-hmm. But beats Crow, uh, it gives the Jets that 3-2 lead. And ultimately, that is all it took. Um, you know, Connor Hellbuck was was pretty good tonight. I mean, he admittedly, I don't think was as challenged as he certainly could have been, but still stopped sure, thirty one yeah. of thirty three shots. Um, you know, for him and Crow really didn't have a terrible night. Still stopping thirty five of thirty eight shots. Um, you know, but again, it, it, those redirects, man. It's it's tough when you know they were able to get those pucks on net. It's very rare that you see, you know, a game like tonight where what four of the five goals scored were redirect goals for each of yeah. the two teams. I mean, you know, what what were your thoughts on tonight, especially with you know with Crow and and how he played cuz he really didn't look terrible tonight by any means. Uh, in my opinion, Crow was the best player on the ice for the Hawks and 
all three goals were redirects. He had no chance to stop any of them. I mean, you only get that not even split second to react to a redirect. And it, I mean, you just saw his head turn and, and it was already past him, you know, and it's, it's one of those things It's those freak chances when it goes off your own player and you don't see that very often, but when it does, you just get so demoralized because it's like nothing's going our way. You don't get that puck luck, you know, and it's, it's so demoralizing when you're in that moment, especially in the third period like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah, I agree. I, I really, I really can't argue on that at all. I mean, I think to your point, Corey Crawford was their best player tonight. Um, you know, certainly helps that he was fresh. Um, I, I certainly don't think that hurts by any means, but mm-hmm. yeah, it would have been really nice to have a, been able to really see, um, you know, him, him get a win really for his efforts. Um, and they certainly had a chance in this game. They weren't out of it. Um, you know, but just like you said, some unfortunate bounces, there's not a lot as a goaltender that you can do there. Um, right. You know, when that happens, but something I want to get your thoughts on. And obviously, uh, anybody that listens to Blackhawks on tap and four feathers regularly knows, um, especially me, we're all very critical of Eric Gustafson. Mm-hmm. Why is he playing 24 minutes? I get there's a lot of injuries on the back end. I get, you know, Bokvist didn't look good last night, so they they give him the night off, you know, because of performance-related. Sealer draws in, you know, but he's only playing 14 minutes tonight. Why is Eric Gustafson, who statistically statistics show that when he plays above 20 minutes in a game, the Hawks don't do well, 24 Mm -hmm. minutes tonight against this Jets team? I don't have any answers for that one. I don't understand it. I don't know why Sealer wasn't playing as much. He started out the night uh, next to Keith, and you'd think that with with a guy like Keith next to you too, you'd be able to stay out there a little longer than 14 minutes. But whatever Collington sees, I don't agree with because his decision to keep Gus in time after time after time, it's not paying off. I mean – the guy, the guy is thinking more offensively than he is defensively, and we just don't need that right now. Yeah, no, absolutely, and, and you you took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, this this defense just needs to be a defense, right? You have mm-hmm. the forward depth. Um, you know, Dylan Strome and, and DeBrinket are, are are still trying to get back on their you know on their wagon a little bit. Kirby Doc now playing with them, trying to get that line reignited. That line looking very good last night in Calgary. Obviously tonight outside of really any line that Patrick Kane was on, nobody looked great. But, you know, you just need your guys to defend. But I think what drives me the baddiest is if there's anybody on this team outside of Duncan Keith I want playing the second most amount of minutes in a game, it's Connor Murphy. You know, because he is that stay-at-home defenseman, he does a lot of good. Made a lot of nice plays tonight, actually. I do distinctly remember at the end of that second period, he made a really nice block with like 12 seconds left to to keep a Jets chance from happening right before that, that second period came mm-hmm. to a conclusion. Yep. You know, why? I mean, he still played 20 minutes, which it, it's a nice number. I mean, anytime you have a defenseman playing 20 minutes, that's fantastic. But, you know, why? I agree with you. What is it that they see in Gus that they're they're content playing him for twenty four minutes? You I don't know? understand it. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. And it's one thing, right? I, I think about it. It's like, okay, let's say you know you're down in a game and you you want to throw him out there with maybe a Connor Murphy and let him go play that offensive role. I get that, but 
I mean, you saw it at the very tail end of the game. He's shooting for the net, and he's missing by like six feet to the right and mm-hmm. to the left. He's not even getting pucks on net right now, and that's what's incredibly frustrating. It's one thing if he's getting these pucks on net and they're creating rebound chances. He can't even hit the damn net. He, I don't even think he could hit the broad side of a barn right now with his shot. <laughs> and it's not like he's leading, you know, a top 10 power play unit. It's mm-hmm. not like they're succeeding in creating chances. I mean, I don't know how many times Pat Foley said, you know, oh, he takes a shot and it goes wide of the net or it goes well wide. And, I mean, that was on both sides of, of the ice too, but it just kept happening. And you're just looking at it like, dude, why are you still out there? Mm-hmm. Like, you, like, I would love to pick Jeremy Collins' brain and just say, just why? Just tell me why. You know, if you have some some value in him, we need to see it because if not, he's got to be gone. Yeah, no, absolutely, and and that's something too that I, I want to touch on here as uh, you know when we kind of wrap this game up before we transition into our preview is you know in uh, you know most people it's it's late here in in Chicago as we're recording so most people will be listening to this on their Monday morning commute assuming you have work tomorrow Happy President's Day everybody mm-hmm. um, you know we're about eight days away from the trade deadline. Trade deadline mm-hmm. is uh, February 25th, I believe, if I, I got my dates correct. That is a Tuesday. The Hawks will play the St. Louis Blues that night. Um, that's a big It's a big day. There's already trades happening today. Uh, Blake Coleman, New Jersey Devils center, was traded down to Tampa for a first-round draft pick and a very good prospect, which is super intriguing uh, because, mm-hmm. sure, he's a 20-goal scorer at this point, but that's a very bad Devils team he's playing on, so he's playing big minutes. That being said, you also look at Andy Green being traded away from the Devils today to the Islanders. This is a 37-year-old defenseman who is not the super athlete of like a Duncan Keith. Very stay-at-home guy. Makes $5 million a year. I think he's on the last year of his contract, which would make sense. For a second-round pick, Eric Gustafson makes $1.2 million. And if you're a team that needs a guy that can come in and be a threat on your power play and play bottom-pairing minutes and provide some offensive depth what do you think the Hawks can get for this guy because I agree with you he's not getting the job done why are they going to keep him around I pray to God they don't give him an extension because then not only are you locking up a player who in my opinion is utterly useless for this team but then you're also locking up and and screwing up you know what are they going to do with Dylan Strome? What are they going to do with Robin Lehner? What are you going to do with this? What are you going to do with that? You know what I mean? There's so many money questions going into the offseason. You cannot afford to let this guy be you know, a potential roadblock on getting some of these, in my opinion, more important contracts, significantly more important contracts done. Oh, I agree, especially about Robin Lehner. The the guy's been taking pay cuts since he, you know, came to the league essentially, you know, and I mean, he's proven, especially this year, he's proven that he deserves to get, I'm not going to say like a max contract, but he, the guy deserves to get paid. I mean, he's a skilled goaltender and you take a guy like Gus and you give him an extension. That's, you can almost kiss Robin Leonard goodbye at that point. Yeah. And I would almost argue because, you know, let's say they do give Eric Gustafson an extension. I'm sure he's going to want somewhere in the range between um, – it's a very broad range I'm going to use, but 3 to $5 million a year. Mm-hmm. Even at $3 million a year, now all of a sudden you still have that little bit of sense of, okay, you're picking between Dylan Strome and potentially even Corey Crawford. Yeah. You know, does this management really believe in Colin Delia as a number one? Not a shot at Colin Delia at all. I think he's a very good goaltender, but – 
I don't think right now at this point in time he's a number one. I think maybe in the future he could potentially be a nice like fringe number one, and mm-hmm. I think I certainly think he can be a backup to like you said a Robin Lehner, but like. You know, there's just, there's so many what ifs. So, you know, obviously he could get traded. I'd say he's probably the prime candidate to get traded. And maybe that's why he's playing 24 minutes a night. They're showcasing him. Could be. Now, yeah. granted, if you're being showcased, you would hope he would uh, hit the net a little more than, than he did. <laughs> uh, still, I believe he actually led the, t- he did. He led the team in shots on goal tonight, actually, with four. Um, everybody else was in the two to three range, uh, unless you're Dylan Strom and you didn't even get a shot on net. But, you know, I just I'm, – I'm really intrigued to see what happens with that because, it, you know, especially now. And, the, and the, here's something else too, and I really want you to, to take a deep dive into this and, and give me give your opinion. You know, the there was a great question at the end of the broadcast tonight, so the very beginning of the postgame show. And it mm-hmm. was for the fans. It was the, you know, the fan poll question. Do you believe the results of this road trip cost the Blackhawks the playoffs? And 77% of people said yes. What are your thoughts on that? Because I, I have some thoughts too, but I really want to hear yours. I, uh, I hate this question and love it at the same time. Um, if they would have went – well, it was a five-game trip, right? So if they would have went three trip. and two uh, and they could have had last night's win tonight, just flip-flop them, then I would have said – absolutely yes that it had a humongous impact on it but i mean there's still a lot of hockey left to play you know teams could fall teams could slide a little bit you can gain a little bit of leverage and points i think anything can happen it it hurts that the teams that are directly in front of you are the ones you're losing to though Mm -hmm. so it makes it harder i don't think it's impossible i don't think it costs them completely but it definitely made it harder what do you think yeah, I think, I mean, to your point, obviously, it would take them some crazy run, which, you know, likeliness of it happening, unlikely, but like mm-hmm. you said, technically, truly, anything can happen. Yeah, you know, I think it's I think it's the timing of the trip, right? And, and like you said, if they go three and two, let's say, and two of those wins are against the Jets, that's a four-point swing. It's essentially mm-hmm. in each of those games, right? And, you know, all of a sudden you're in a playoff picture. Right now they sit uh, currently six points out of a playoff spot. So, again, you go three and two with some of those those wins against Winnipeg. You're right around that 65-point mark, 66-point mark actually probably. Or No, I'm sorry. You'd be about, you'd be about 64 points. So you're right mm-hmm. there. Um Winnipeg wouldn't be at 65, so they would be the second spot out of the playoffs, roughly, give or take. Right. So, you know, at that point then, it almost changes then to, going back to what we just discussed, how things go with the trade deadline. Because then maybe they're a little more inclined, not necessarily to buy, and I mean buy like what Tampa did today and giving up a first-round pick, but they're at least a little more inclined to maybe add a depth piece maybe a depth defenseman for a mid to low round draft pick or, you know, maybe a prospect that you don't ever really see breaking through with your organization. Now, because of that one and four stretch that they just went on, and like you said, especially those two losses to to Winnipeg, a team that is in front of you in the standings, 
you know, you almost have to think that the front office is thinking about selling, especially after seeing what happened today with the type of returns on the players that were traded. Yeah. I mean, you might be able to get a second or a third round pick for Gus. You might be able to get, if you have plans of trading Corey Crawford, you might be able to get a second first or even a first round pick if a team's desperate enough for a goaltender. You know, maybe you decide to deal somebody that's a little less expected. And what I mean by that is, you know, maybe like a Drake Kajula or maybe a, um, I'm just looking at the list of players right now and trying to get an idea of somebody who, who could be. Or maybe even, uh, you know, if you really were looking to move them, maybe like, let's say just an Oli Mata. Some mm-hmm. of these guys could get you some pretty high returns, maybe a prospect and a pick, and you're setting yourself up a little better now for the future without having to, to completely sell the team, if that makes sense. You don't have to trade a Dylan Strom to get a first-round pick. You could potentially trade, you know, a, or maybe it's a team that wants both Gus and Crow, and all of a sudden you package them together and you're getting a first-round pick. Granted, it's going to be a late first because it's going to be a team that's in a playoff picture that's right. willing to make that trade. But it, it, it just it changes that philosophy. So I think, you know, to your point, I don't think it, it totally – I think if this trip happens at any other point in the year, I don't think it totally puts them out of it. I think just because of the timing with the trade deadline approaching, they at least have to start thinking about, okay, what is truly the direction for the rest of the season and what are we going to do about it? I think, too, if, if, if you're trying to get a first-round pick out of this trade deadline – might be a little difficult given their track record with making trades, you know, and the who knows how many trades, I don't know off the top of my head, they've made with Arizona over the last, you know, 10 years. But people don't want to do it with Bowman. You know, they've they've won enough. He's made enough of these, you know, go get them moves and let's win right now. And some of them have paid off, you know. Yeah. And, it, it, and nobody wants to trade with him anymore because they don't want to see the Hawks get back into that column of domination again. Right. No, that and that's tricky. It's a fair point. Nobody's nobody's gonna you know overpay for a guy in Chicago unless they truly think that he's gonna help their team. So I think that's a I think that's a very good point. Uh, That's certainly certainly sometimes something you have to consider, man. And I I think you brought up a lot of great points. Um, So I'm really I'm really glad you mentioned that. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. It really is going to be an interesting next couple of days. Um, obviously, we're we're going to start shifting our focus here in this episode to uh, discussing the next game. I think we've we've aired our grievances. It was a weird game tonight, and I think you you might agree with me, Pat. You know, they had moments of of brilliance. They had moments of just looking disgusting, and then they had moments of you look okay. Um, and one interesting little tidbit. Uh, no penalties in this game. I noticed that about halfway through the second, yeah. and I didn't want to, you know, say it out loud to jinx it, but no, uh, it was yeah. odd. It was odd, and it, you know, initially when I was because you know, for the listeners at home, we we always have the statistics for the game up in front of us. I was looking at everybody's time on ice, and nobody had power play or short-handed time, and I'm like. Did they just not register that in the system yet? And then I looked. I'm like, no, it was zero for zero. No, mm-hmm. neither team had a penalty. So uh, a certainly little interesting tidbit there um, from this game. And uh, furthering the points that we discussed, you know, we're not going to hammer that back home again. But with guys like, you know, Sealer playing less minutes, Gus playing 24 minutes, it's not even like power play times included in that. Yeah, and uh, arguably you could say um, Carpenter was tripped up a little bit there in the third um, you know, and there's all those questionable calls. Um, I think, I don't remember who it was, got hip checked really hard. I saw a bar 
bunch of people in the stands throw their hands up. And that's just a hockey hit, man. That's just, you know, mm-hmm. it happens. It, it wasn't a dirty hit or anything like that. So, But it, nevertheless, it was definitely odd. You know, you're getting down five minutes left of the third. You're like, there's still no penalties. This is still weird. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, it's just, I mean, you, you don't see that a lot in hockey. So mm-hmm. it's certainly something that's interesting. But, you know, I mean, you mentioned it earlier, too, just, you know, in discussion with, with Eric Gustafson. It's not like this is a top 10 power play unit and they missed out on something potentially with getting a couple man advantages tonight. Right. I, I almost argue they're – this brings me back to – and you might remember this, Pat. When they were in the height of the cup years, it was like every year – Either the power play or the the shorthanded or the penalty kill were really good, mm-hmm. and the other one was like average. And I still remember it might have been 2010 actually, where I think they had like seven or eight shorthanded goals that season. I was the uh, I believe that was 2010, and I yeah. want to say at least half of those was Patrick Sharp. Yeah. And like I I think the the craziest part about all of that is like there were point I think there was a stretch in the season where. You know, it might have been like a five or six game stretch, but they had like two shorthanded goals and no power play goals. And I would literally joke with like my family. I'd be like, I almost rather than be on the PK right now. I think they're <laughs> going to score on the, the, on the, you know, being a man down than a man up. Yeah. You know, so it kind of feels that way this season too. Obviously a much bigger gap. You know, they have a top, it fluctuates, but they're a, a cemented top 10 penalty kill and they're very much a bottom five, I think, power play. So it's like, Two completely different ends of the spectrum, but oh yeah. Well, we'll 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 put that to rest, and you know it's going to be an interesting set of games coming up, ladies and gents. Keep your eyes out. Um, obviously, the trade deadline, as we mentioned, there will be more shows between then, so there we will be more discussion as the trade deadline approaches. But um, you know, we touched on it a little bit tonight, and I think it's good to to touch on, especially now that the end of the road trip is done, uh, and they're back for two games at home now. Um, the last two home games of February for this team before March becomes just a home littered month uh, for them, which, uh, you know, if they were maybe in a little bit of a better position from a point standpoint, I'd be a little more excited about it. I'm just excited the fact they'll be back home because I'll probably try and go to at least one or two games uh, oh, yeah. in the month of March. But we're going to go ahead and move forward. So um, the Blackhawks are now off for the next two days. Uh, they won't play again until Wednesday night. Uh, and Wednesday night, they welcome an Eastern Conference foe. Not only are they an Eastern Conference foe, they're also an original six team. The New York Rangers make their one and only appearance at the United Center for the season. Um, yes, ladies and gentlemen, that means the return of Artemi Panarin to the United Center. I'm sure he's going to get a very nice um, ovation and welcome. Uh, no video tribute this time. He's been back, obviously, since being gone, but uh, mm-hmm. he's still very much beloved. I would not be surprised if there are a lot of number 72 jerseys uh, in the stands on Wednesday night. That game is scheduled for 7 o'clock Central Standard Time on 219, as we mentioned. It will be on NBCSN. Um, channel 200 for those that have Xfinity, like myself. I don't know any of the other ones. Um, no surprises here, but Artemi Panarin uh, leads in pretty much every major statistical category for the Rangers. Uh, offensively, he's having an absolutely fantastic year. Uh, he actually sits right now fifth in the entire league in points. Uh, he is only five points ahead of his great buddy and former teammate Patrick Kane, who is also cemented in the top 10 with 72 points. 
Um, that'll actually increase, I believe, because of tonight. So he will actually now have, I believe, 74 points. So he's only uh, three back now of Artemi Panarin. ESPN has not yet updated their uh, their point totals here. But, uh, you know, they got a lot of good... This is still a decent Rangers team. Obviously, they're kind of in a weird, weird year. They're, they're above 500. They have 30 wins this year already. It's something the Blackhawks do do not have. Um, but they're kind of in a rebuild. It's it's kind of a weird time in New York uh, for the Rangers. But, Pat, uh, what are you expecting from uh, from Wednesday night's game? What are you looking forward to seeing? And then, obviously, uh, we need to get your stick to click for Wednesday night's game before we get out of here. I think that's going to be a, a pretty tough game, to tell you the truth, because the Rangers only sit seven points out of the wild card spot in the Eastern Conference, and uh, and they're off for the next two days too. They lost to Boston today, mm-hmm. and uh, both these teams are going to be hungry for a much much needed win on both ends of the spectrum. So I'm expecting this to be a hard fought game. You already mentioned uh, Artemi Panarin. Um, but another guy that you got to watch out for is actually a guy that I uh, had in fantasy three years in a row is Mika Zibanejad. Guy's mm-hmm. no joke. He can score. He can uh, he can skate hard, and uh, you just need to keep an eye out for him. He's one of those guys you don't want to you don't want to lose track of him on the ice. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great name drop right there. Um, and a name I'm glad you mentioned. I feel like he's a player that doesn't get a lot of love and attention in the NHL mm-hmm. just because he is kind of a what people would deem a secondary scorer, and I say that with you know air quotes. Um, very good player, yes. If you have had him in fantasy hockey, you know it's it's funny. You know people are rip people that play fantasy hockey, but yet that's how you kind of you gain a pre- appreciation for the players that are good in the league that Absolutely. aren't superstars but don't play for your team. Um, mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, Mika Zibanejad, uh, he actually currently sits second on the Rangers in points. Uh, he has 52 points in only 45 games, mind you, which makes that even more impressive um, given the fact that just about every other player on their team has played at least about, at least in their top scorers, have played, you know, in that upper 50s range from a, from a games perspective. So Zabanajad, after missing some time with injury, having a absolutely fantastic season for the Rangers. Uh, Ryan Strom also having a nice year. I, I think he's another name to keep an eye on. Um you, uh, what is your uh, stick to click? I, I'm sorry if I missed your stick to click pick. I was on with uh, Tony Marchese a couple weeks ago, and my stick to click that night was Alex DeBrinket. I want to stick with it because he had what 41 goals, I believe, last year. Led the Hawks with 41 goals last year, and he's only got, I believe, 13 this year. I got to see him get on the scoreboard a little bit more. So I'm going with DeBrinket. I like it. Yeah, 14 goals. Uh, you weren't far off there. 14. Is it 14? Okay. Yep, just got 14 last night in Calgary. So, um, yeah, I think that's a great pick. Um, I agree with you, too, uh, just about everything you said. I, I don't really feel the need to have to add that much more. I think you hit it on the head. This is going to be a very hard-fought game. Both teams need this for obvious reasons. Blackhawks staying in the playoff hunt in any capacity. And then the Rangers, as you mentioned, they're not too terribly far out of that wild-card picture in the East, even though they're kind of in a weird pseudo rebuilding year um right. from their standpoint i'm gonna go ahead and uh you know people are probably have known on this show that i have a certain player that is a certain special place in my heart and he has always been one of my favorites to the point where when he was first traded the the original the first time uh i actually could not fin- like 
I was working that day and I just sat at my desk at work and didn't do anything for the last hour of work because I was so depressed. Um, so he's got the great flow going right now. He just got his 18th goal last night in Calgary. He's playing really well with Ryan Carpenter in number 88 right now. And I'm going to go ahead and take Mr. Brandon Saad as my stick to click. I think he gets back on the score sheet as well. I think he gets number 19 for the year in terms of goals, uh, which puts him well on his way to being uh, what will probably be at least the fourth guy that'll get 20. Uh, Kane and, uh, and Kubalik are both already over that 20 mark. Uh, Saad is at 18 right now, and Jonathan Taves is at 16. So I fully expect those two uh, to be plus um, on the other side of 20 goals when this Easily. is all said and done. So I'm going to go ahead and roll with... Uh, I, you know he's he's no longer a child, so man child's not applicable. But uh, I'm gonna go ahead and, and and pick Mr. Brandon Sod as my stick to click. I like it. All right, man. Well, hey, this has been a great episode. Obviously, we would have loved a better outcome from the Blackhawks, but uh, they do drop tonight's game in Winnipeg, three to two. We are looking forward to some original six Wednesday night hockey at the United Center against the Rangers. You heard our sticks to click. We want to know what your stick to click is. Go ahead and tweet us. Uh, you can tweet at Four Feathers Pod. Uh, we do all of our Blackhawk shows from that account. So go ahead and tweet us there. You can also tweet us personally. Uh, I am at RNLD Loose, and I believe you are at Peabodes52. Is that correct? That's correct. Sir? Yep, Peabodes52. Nailed it. So you can find us there. Let us know what you think. And uh, Pat, what are your uh, closing thoughts for the night before we get out of here and uh, wish the listeners a good morning, good day, good night? Wish it could have been a better outcome but uh it's in the past just take a step forward and let's just take this one game at a time get back in the win column on wednesday i like it yep short and simple sometimes that's all you need as, a, as an athlete to get back into things is hey yep. reset refocus and take it forward yeah i have to agree with you there i think just my last other closing thoughts are for our listeners i want to remind our listeners that they can find all of our great blackhawks works over at the on tap sports network which is the um uh the proud sponsor and proud uh, host of this podcast. Um, you can find all of your literature, podcasting, needs, wants, and desires there at ontapsportsnet.com. We have great Blackhawks coverage. You're listening to some of that right now with myself and Pat. We also have great Bears and Bulls coverage. We also have great baseball coverage, both Cubs and Sox. Um, I think you know this year it's going to be a great year for baseball coverage, so we encourage you to come check us out over there as well. And uh, you can also find plenty of other coverage as well. We've got MMA coverage. We've got uh, XFL coverage, Daily Fantasy Sports. It's all there, and you can find it at ontapsportsnet.com. You can also find us on the social medias. That's Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, at ontapsportsnet. The ONTAP Sports Network. Go ahead and check out what's on tap in Chicago sports. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening uh, with Patrick and I. We had a great time recording this episode despite the outcome. Sounds a little mm -hmm. bit like Pat Foley right there. Um, <laughs> but, Pat, let's give him the only way we know how to sign off. Let's go, Hawks. Let's go, Hawks. Thank you, Brian. Thank you.